The Children's Homer, Part 2. Chapter 9 On the morning of his fourth day in Ithaca, as he and the swineherd were eating a meal together, Odysseus heard the sound of footsteps approaching the hut. The fierce dogs were outside, and he expected to hear them yelping against the stranger's approach. No sound came from them. Then he saw a young man come to the entrance of the courtyard, the swineherd's dogs fawning upon him. When Eumaeus saw this young man, he let fall the vessels he was carrying and running to him kissed his head and his eyes and his hands. While he was kissing and weeping over him, Odysseus heard the swineherd saying, Telemachus, art thou come back to us? Like a light in the darkness thou hast appeared. I thought that never again should we see thee when I heard that thou hast taken a ship to Pylos. Come in, dear son, come in, that I may see thee once again in mine house. Odysseus raised his head and looked at his son. As a lion might look over his cub, so he looked over Telemachus. But neither the swineherd nor Telemachus was aware of Odysseus's gaze. I've come to see thee, friend Eumaeus, said Telemachus, for before I go into the city I would know whether thy mother is still in the house of Odysseus or whether one of the wooers has at last taken her as a wife to his own house. Thy mother is still in thy father's house, Eumaeus answered. Then Telemachus came within the courtyard. Odysseus, in the guise of the old beggar, rose from his seat, but the young man said to him courteously, Be seated, friend. Another seat can be found for me. Eumaeus strewed green brushwood and spread a fleece upon it, and Telemachus seated himself. Next, Eumaeus fetched a meal for him, oaten cakes and swine flesh and wine. While they were eating, the swineherd said, we have a, a stranger here who has wandered through many countries and who has come to my house as a suppliant. Wilt thou take him for thy man, Telemachus? Said Telemachus, How can I support any man? I have not the strength of hand to defend mine own house, but for this stranger I will do what I can. I will give him a mantle and doublet with shoes for his feet and a sword to defend himself, and I will send him on whatever way he wants to go. But Eumaeus, I would not have him go near my father's house. The wooers grow more insolent each day, and they might mock the stranger if he went amongst them. Then said Odysseus, speaking for the first time, Young sir, what thou hast said seems strange to me. Dost thou willingly submit to insolence in thine own father's house? But perhaps it is that the people of the city hate thee and will not help thee against thine enemies. Oh, if I had such youth as I have spirit, or if I were the son of Odysseus, I should go amongst them this very day and make myself the bane of each man of them. I would rather die in mine own halls than to see such shame as is reported, strangers mocked at and servants injured and wine and food wasted. Said Telemachus, 
The people of the city do not hate me, and they would help me if they could. But the wooers of my mother are powerful men, men to make the city folk afraid. And if I should oppose them, I would assuredly be slain in my father's house. For how could I hope to overcome so many? What wouldst thou have me do for thee, Thelemachus? said the swineherd. I would have thee go to my mother, friend Eumaeus, Telemachus said, and let her know that I am safely returned from Pylos. Eumaeus at once put sandals upon his feet and took his staff in his hands. He begged Telemachus to rest himself in the hut, and then he left the courtyard and went towards the city. Telemachus lay down on his seat and closed his eyes in weariness. He saw, while thinking, that he only dreamt that a woman came to the gate of the courtyard. She was fair and tall and splendid, and the dog shrank away from her presence with a whine. She touched the beggar with a golden wand. As she did, the marks of age and beggary fell from him, and the man stood up as tall and noble-looking. Who art thou? cried Telemachus, starting up. Even a moment ago thou didst look aged and a beggar. Now thou dost look a chief of men. Art thou one of the divine ones? Odysseus looked upon him and said, My son, do not speak so to me. I am Odysseus, thy father. After much suffering and much wandering, I have come to my own country. He kissed his son with tears flowing down his cheeks, and Telemachus threw his arms around his father's neck, but scarce believing that the father he had searched for was indeed before him. But no doubt was left as Odysseus talked to him, and told him how he had come to Ithaca in a ship given him by the Phaeacians, and how he had brought with him gifts of bronze and raiment that were hidden in the cave, and told him too how Pallas Athena had changed his appearance into that of an old beggar. And when his own story was finished, he said, Come, my son, tell me of the wooers who waste the substance of our house. Tell me how many they number and who they are, so that we may prepare a way of dealing with them. Even though thou art a great warrior, my father, thou and I cannot hope to deal with them. They have come not from Ithaca alone, but from all the islands around, from Dulichium and Same and Zacynthus. We too cannot deal with such a throng. Said Odysseus, I shall make a plan to deal with them. Go thou home, and keep company with the wooers. Later in the day the swineherd will lead me into the city, and I shall go into the house in the likeness of an old beggar. And if thou should see any of the wooers, ill-treat me. Harden thine heart to endure it. Even if they drag me by the feet to the door of the house, keep quiet thou, and let no one, not even thy mother Penelope, nor my father Laertes, know that Odysseus hath returned. Telemachus said, My father, thou shalt learn soon what spirit is in me, and what wisdom I have. While they talked together, the ship that Atinous had taken, when he went to lie and wait for Telemachus, returned. 
The wooers assembled and debated whether they should kill Telemachus, for now there was danger that he would draw the people to his side, and so make up a force that could drive the wooers out of Ithaca. But they did not agree to kill him then, for there was one amongst them who was against the deed. Eumaeus brought the news to Telemachus and Odysseus of the return of Atinuus's ship. He came back to the hut in the afternoon. Pallas Athena had given Odysseus the appearance of an ancient beggar man, and the swineherd saw no change in his guest. Chapter 10 It was time for Telemachus to go into the city. He put his sandals on his feet and took his spear in his hand. And then, speaking to the swineherd, he said, Friend Eumaeus, I am now going into the city to show myself to my mother and to let her hear from my own lips the tale of my journey. And I have an order to leave with thee. Take this stranger into the city that he may go about as he desires, asking alms from the people. Odysseus, in the guise of a beggar, said, I thank thee, Lord Telemachus, I would not stay here, for I am not of an age to wait about a hut in a courtyard obeying the orders of a master, even if that master be as good a man as thy swineherd. Go thy way, Lord Telemachus, and Eumaeus, as thou hast bidden him, will lead me into the city. Telemachus then passed out of the courtyard and went the ways until he came into the city. When he went into the house, the first person he saw was his nurse, old Eurycleia, who welcomed him with joy. To Eurycleia he spoke of the guest who had come on his ship, Theoclymenius. He told her that this guest would be in the house that day, and that he was to be treated with all honor and reverence. And the wooers came into the hall and crowded around him with fair words in their mouths. Then... All sat down at tables, and Eurycleia brought wheaten bread and wine and dainties. Just at that time, Odysseus and Eumaeus were journeying toward the city. Odysseus, in the guise of a beggar, had a ragged bag across his shoulders, and he carried a staff that the swineherd had given him to help him over the slippery ground. They went by a rugged path, and they came to a place where a spring flowed into a basin made for its water, and where there was an altar to the nymphs, at which men made offerings. As Eumaeus and Odysseus were resting at the spring, a servant from Odysseus's house came along. He was a goat herd, and Melanthius was his name. He was leading a flock of goats for the wooers to kill, and when he saw the swineherd with the seeming beggar, he cried out, Now we see the vile leading the vile. Say, swineherd, whither art thou leading this wretch? It's easy to see the sort of fellow he is. He is the sort to rub shoulders against many doorposts, begging for scraps. Nothing else is he good for. But if thou wouldst give him to me, swineherd, I would make him watch my fields and sweep out my stalls and carry fresh water to the kids. He'd have his dish of whey from me. But a fellow like this doesn't want an honest job. He wants to lounge through the country, filling his belly without doing anything for the people who feed him up. 
If he goes to the house of Odysseus, I pray that he be pelted from the door. He said all this as he came up to them with his flock of goats. And as he went by, he gave a kick to Odysseus. Odysseus took thought whether he should strike the fellow with his staff or fling him upon the ground. But in the end, he hardened his heart to endure the insult and let the goat herd go on his way. But turning to the altar that was by the spring, he prayed. Nymphs of the well, if ever Odysseus made offerings to you, fulfill for me this wish, that he, even Odysseus, may come to his own home and have power to chastise the insolence that gathers around his house. They journeyed on. When they came near, they heard the sound of the lyre within the house. The wooers were now feasting, and Phemius the minstrel was singing to them. And when Odysseus came before his own house, he caught the swineherd by the hand suddenly and with a hard grip. And he said, Lo now, I who have wandered in many lands and have walked in pain through many cities have come at last to the house of Odysseus. There it is, standing as of old, with building beyond building, with its walls and its battlements, its courts and its doors. The house of Odysseus, verily. And lo, unwelcome men keep revel within it, and the smoke of their feast rises up, and the sound of the lyre is heard playing for them. Said Eumaeus, what wilt thou have me do for thee, friend? Shall I bring thee into the hall and before the company of wooers? Wilt thou remain here, or wouldst thou have me go in before thee? I would have thee go in before me, Odysseus said. Now as they went through the courtyard, a thing happened that dashed Odysseus's eyes with tears. A hound lay in the dirt of the yard, a hound that was very old, all uncared for, he lay in the dirt, old and feeble. But he had been a famous hound, and Odysseus himself had trained him before he went to the wars of Troy. Argos was his name. Now as Odysseus came near, the hound Argos knew him, and stood up before him, and whined, and dropped his ears, but had no strength to come near him. Odysseus knew the hound and stopped and gazed at him. A good hound lies there, said he to Eumaeus. Once I think he was so swift that no beast in the deep places of the wood could flee from him. Then he went on, and the hound Argos lay down in the dirt of the yard, and that same day the life passed from him. Behind Eumaeus, the swineherd, he came into his own hall in the appearance of a beggar, wretchedly clad and leaning on an old man's staff. Odysseus looked upon the young lords who wooed his wife, and then he sat upon the threshold and went no further into the hall. Telemachus was there. Seeing Eumaeus, he called to him and gave the swineherd bread and meat and said, Take these and give them to the stranger at the doorway and tell him that he may go amongst the company and crave an alms from each. Odysseus ate whilst the minstrel was finishing his song. 
When it was finished, he rose up and went into the hall, craving an alms from each of the wooers. Seeing him, Antinous, the most insolent of the wooers, cried out, O notorious swineherd, why dost thou bring this fellow here? Have we not enough vagabonds? Is it nothing to thee that worthless fellows come here and devour thy master's substance? Hearing such a speech from Antinous, Telemachus had to say, Antinous, I see that thou hast good care for me and mine. I marvel that thou hast such good care. But wouldst thou have me drive a stranger from the door? The gods forbid that I should do such a thing. Nay, Antinous, give the stranger something for the sake of the house. If all the company gives him as much as I, he will have something to keep him from beggary for a three-month's space, said Antinous, meaning by that that he would work some hurt upon the beggar. Odysseus came before him. They say that thou art the noblest of all the wooers, he said. And for that reason, thou shouldst give me a better thing than any of the others have given me. Look upon me. I too had a house of mine own, and was accounted wealthy amongst men, and I had servants to wait upon me. And many a time would I make welcome the wanderer and give him something from my store. Stand far away from my table, thou wretched fellow, said Antinous. Then said Odysseus, Thou hast beauty, Lord Antinous, but thou hast not wisdom. Out of thine own house thou wouldst not give a grain of salt to a suppliant. And even whilst thou dost sit at another man's table, thou dost not find it in thy heart to give something out of the plenty that is before thee. So Odysseus spoke, and Antinous became terribly angered. He caught up a footstool, and with it he struck Odysseus in the back, at the base of the right shoulder. Such a blow would have knocked another man over, but Odysseus stood steadfast under it. He gave one look at Antinous, and then without a word, he went over and sat down again upon the threshold. Telemachus had in his heart a mighty rage for the stroke that had been given his father. But he let no tear fall from his eyes, and he sat very still, brooding in his heart evil for the wooers. Odysseus, after a while, lifted his head and spoke. Wooers of the renowned queen, he said, hear what the spirit within me bids me say to you. There is neither pain nor shame in the blow that a man may get in battle. But in the blow that Antinous has given me, a blow aimed at a beggar, there is pain and there is shame. And now I call upon the God who is the avenger of the insult to the poor to bring not a wedding to Antinous but the issue of death. Sit there and eat thy meat in quiet and Tin was called out, or else thou wilt be dragged through the house by thy heels, and the flesh will be stripped off thy bones. And now the lady Penelope had come into the hall. 
Hearing that a stranger was there, she sent for Eumaeus and bade the swineherd bring him to her, that she might question him as to what he had heard about Odysseus. Eumaeus came and told him of Penelope's request. But Odysseus said, Eumaeus, right willing am I to tell the truth about Odysseus to the fair and wise Penelope, but now I may not speak to her. Go to her and tell her that when the wooers have gone, I will speak to her, and ask her to give me a seat near the fire, that I may sit and warm myself as I speak, for the clothes I wear are comfortless. As Eumaeus gave the message to Lady Penelope, one who was there, Theoclamenius, the guest who had come in Telemachus's ship, said, O wife of the renowned Odysseus, be sure that thy lord will return to his house. As I came here on the ship of Telemachus, thy son, I saw a happening that is an omen of the return of Odysseus. A bird flew out on the right, a hawk. In his talons he held a dove, and plucked her and shed the feathers down on the ship. By that omen, I know that the lord of this high house will return and strike here in his anger. Penelope left the hall and went back to her own chamber. Next, Eumaeus went away to look after his swine. But still, the wooers continued to feast, and still Odysseus sat in the guise of a beggar on the threshold of his own house.